Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible, signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. And welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. We appreciate y'all joining us, whether it's live on Wednesday or you're listening to our the audio version afterwards as well. It's always a pleasure. We love having you all join us. This week, we're going to do a little bit of something different. Normally, we kind of talk about what's going on in the world of sports. Today, we're going to go back a little bit to the roots and ta- tap into the rankings part of what we of this show, something that Kelsey and I, we kind of like to call it rants, rankings, and recaps. Today, we're going to focus on the rankings and kind of build off that, looking at the big picture, and we're going to focus on the hardwood, and we're going to go with our top 10 NBA players today. Yeah, it is. Can't, can't wait for this one. This is actually based off of today, so we're not talking going into the season before they started playing any games or anything like that. So that means some of these guys that you might be used to as a top three, top four player may not be there. Like your um, resume only counts for a small portion of the pie. It doesn't count for a large yeah. portion of the pie these days. Yeah, so, you know, there's going to be some uh, – Well, I, I feel like one of us is going to get yelled at probably a little more than the others. Um, no, we're both going to get yelled at equally from both sides of both sides of the equation. That's probably true as well. But you know what, guys? If, if you don't understand – like at this point in time, if you're not accepting of the fact that some players just get better – some players get worse. It's called aging. It's called a progression. It's called a regression. If you don't know anything about that, well, I suggest you maybe play Madden or NBA 2K for one season, hmm. and then you learn about progression and regression real fast and in a hurry. For, um, but if you don't, yeah, if not, just look it up and you'll learn exactly what it means. Mm-hmm. But no, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. I, I'm actually really excited about this one as well. We're also gonna talk a little bit about a. Uh, maybe some different flavoring in the NBA that they were, they were used to now, and that's the international flavoring. Is it? Maybe it's finally gone international. Has the NBA finally reached that 50-50 point where the international game is influencing the NBA more than the vice versa? Exactly. We'll go into We'll look into some of the numbers behind that, look into some of the players as well, too. And we're going to take a look at how many of those are in our top 10 as well, too. So we got a fun show to cover here. Before we get into all the fun times, we do want to give a big shout-out to our friends over at Manscaped as well. Manscaped has been – we have been fortunate enough to be partnering with Manscaped right now as well, too. Use code Hilo Sports at checkout to get yourself 20% off. In case you don't know and you haven't really been familiar with them, Manscaped is the leading premier men's grooming brand out there on the market as well. 
from your pair downstairs, your chest, your, your face, your ears, your nose hairs, deodorant, shampoo, whatever you need. They got a little something for everybody as well, too. It's about holiday season time, whether you need a full gift for somebody or a stocking stuffer just to just to kind of give a little bit of bulk to those because nobody wants a flimsy stocking. Just to add a little something, something to it. Or if you want to send a subtle hint to that someone special in your life, they have a little bit of something for everybody. And Kelsey, you have one product that's been standing out for you that you've been using a whole lot recently. Man, I've already had to buy it, buy a restock of it. That's the crop preserver. If you guys have not watched any of our videos lately, any of our recordings, it is anti-chafing. So what it does, basically, you get, you get done showering, you dry everything off, make sure it's nice and dry, put it on. Walk around your day. Every big guy in the world has experienced chafing. Every man in the world who's gone to a sporting event in warm weather has experienced chafing. Or if it's rained, you've experienced chafing. Honestly, probably most females have experienced it doing the same exact things. I, look, if you guys haven't checked this out, it's absolutely fantastic. You put it on. I have stopped having to buy baby powder, which is big. The bit that's been, you know, the tried and true method. Every man, every every person knows. You just have that random little bottle of, of baby powder that sits in your your bathroom area. And well, guess what? I had to get. I got. I, I was able to get rid of it. This stuff is. I've been absolutely fantastic. I've gone to multiple sporting events. You know, just just finished with a Florida Georgia game this this last weekend, and it's. I, look, it's a lifesaver. That's it's all I can say. It's a lifesaver. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, check it out, guys. Manscaped.com. Go look at the Crop Preserver. While you're there, check out all the great packages they have. You get 20% off at checkout. Look, just protect your balls. That's, that's, that's the important thing here. We're, we're, we're trying to protect the jewels here. Take care of your pair and everything in between as well. So definitely go check that out for us as well. So now we're going to get into it, Kelsey. Top 10 players in the game of National Basketball Association today. I'm going to go ahead and let you kick it off. We're going to go from 10 to 1. So, Kelsey, go and tee us off. What are you looking at? 10 to 1. I'm starting with a little bit of fire on the flames already, and I'm going with the guy I maybe maybe, maybe alluded to a little bit in the in the intro, LeBron James. Uh, sitting at number 10 right now as far as best player in the NBA today. Uh, and uh, if anybody's listening, it's because has you did you see him airball shots all, all night long? He's been airballing everything. One for ten at multiple times from three point from the three point line. It's been absolutely atrocious watching him play recently. Um, outside of his passing, outside of his just headiness of the game, there's not been a whole lot of positive going on for LeBron. I've, I lambasted him in our last week's video um, about the Lakers' success and how he's always at the root of every team's issues and their successes. Well, right now he's at the at the root of their issues. But look, I gotta give him credit where credit is still due. He's still one of the best. You know, on like if you give him an on ball opportunity to play defense, he will play if he wants to. Um, and this is the thing is when he wants to play, easy top 10 player, probably a top five player in the league still. But we haven't seen that yet from him in, in this early season. We haven't seen it really. You go back to last year, really didn't see much of it last year either at the end of last year. So it's it's going to be it's going to be an uphill battle for LeBron. Obviously, he still wants to keep playing for a couple of years. But right now I have him sitting at number 10. If you listen closely, you can hear the one side absolutely screaming, how dare you not have him in the top five? He's the GOAT. He's number one. If you listen even closer, you hear the other side saying, well, you say all that and you still put him in the top ten. That's egregious. You said this was top ten right now. The way he's playing. You can hear both sides. Hey, No matter where you put him, you are wrong. Yeah, no, it's, it, you're exactly right. Like Wherever you put LeBron, I could have put LeBron at number one, and everybody was like, oh, that's terrible. I could have put LeBron off the list, and that would have been absolutely horrid. I mean, I don't know what I got more heat for. What We'll find out, I guess. You might have picked um, one I right feel in the like, middle. It just gets enough. I've, I've, yeah, I felt like ten was a good a good spot for him because, like, at the same time, where as bad as he has been, all it takes is a flip of a switch for LeBron, and LeBron is back to being that top five player we know. Maybe don't love him, but we know. 
<laughs> so we'll see if he's when he decides to flip that switch. But he always does it every season. He will flip a switch and he'll go on a twenty to thirty game run where he's just that dude, where he is the potential goat conversation. Like he is that guy. Um, and so we'll see when he turns it on. But as of right now, yeah, just I'm gonna give him ten because it's like he could go lower, he could go higher. But I feel like ten's a good sweet spot for him right now. All right, you know that interesting. All right, so we're starting things off with a bang, as you mentioned as well too. All right, we'll go to he'll see what he's looking at number nine. So number nine, uh, I'm going with the dude that is putting up numbers right now and has been doing so his whole his whole career quietly in in the Pacific Northwest and and people just keep overlooking him. And that's Dame Dollar. Like already had multiple 40 point games 40 point games and like you don't just do that you don't just do that uh, right now leading the best team in the west in at, in the trailblazers leading them in, on, on, at, as a number one seed they one finally lost was that for, what, for, what were that for the people that don't that don't respect oh, oh yeah sorry um best team in the west finally lost their first game yeah as of this recording <laughs> they finally lost their first game um on the previous friday night but that's you know what that's okay Okay. Not bad for a guy who missed ninety percent of last season, and they kind of rebuilt the team around him too. And by the way, the teams they beat—the Suns, the Nuggets—you um, know, company. no, no sleepers. By the way, this Lakers, just, but that one's not yeah. that one. Yeah, yeah, we're not going to count the Lakers. We're not going to count the Lakers at all. Hmm. Uh, but look, Dame, Dame, he can do it all. He can shoot logo threes. He can shoot mid range. He can pull up. He can take it to the lane. He can pass. Honestly, the best Dame we see is when he starts facilitating early, and then ha- is, is able to get his entire game going. Because once he starts facilitating. He comes off those pick and rolls, and he can attack the basket, and people are expecting a dish. And, uh, you know, it's it opens up too many lanes for him. And then he can hit a step back three at any point in time. Like I said, he can hit logo threes like it's nobody's business. Like, the dude built that into his game because he's a smaller player. He had to learn how to shoot over these bigger guys. So he had to learn how to shoot back a couple more feet, similar to Curry back in the day when he first started learning how to, how to do it. And now it's, you know, that is the shot. Um, but, yeah, so Dame right now, look, he's in absolutely lighting it up. Currently, uh, well, if he continues his performance right now throughout the season. I have no reason to believe he won't be in the MVP conversation. So give me Dame right now at number nine. Love it. We all very Dame Lillard fanboy podcast as well, too. What he does with the basketball is <laughs> yeah. insane. And you mentioned it. He he built that into his game because, like, coming off those pick and rolls, they'd always be up tight on him. It's like, all right, we'll call the screen rolls farther out. You want to come out on guard me out here? He's explosive as anybody. He'll get right by you that far out. But if you sag off, well, Mark, Jan- Mark Jackson with the call, basically. You know exactly where it goes from there. He gets a little – so that really opens up the floor, too. So I like – Yeah, with, with a wave off, too. And, and that's the thing is, like, so you have to come out and guard him five to ten feet behind the three-point line because he can hit the shot now. And the problem is you get a big man that's, you know, fencing off that far off, bye. Like, <laughs> there goes your pay, pay protection. Like, good luck. It's, it's not You're not stopping him at, at that point in time. So, yeah, give me Damon nine. I think it's – it's it's kind of egregious how much he's been overlooked. Um, I know he just plays in Portland, so everybody's like, ah, who cares about Portland? But guys, come unfortunately, on. he's always compared to Steph Curry. That those have not been competitive matchups at all. Unfortunately, that's yeah. the downside. Is well. but well, you know what? We'll see if this is if this first handful of games are an indicator. Maybe it's a different story this year. We'll wait and see. But so yeah. number nine, Damian Lillard. I love it. Who are we looking at at number eight? So number eight, I'm going the opposite side of the the coast, uh, the opposite side of the the U.S. seaboard, if you will. I'm heading over to Boston. Uh, I'm going. I talked about this when he made it to the finals. If he has a great finals performance, I will happily put him in the top ten. I have been agree- I've been hesitant to put him up here and put him even even close to here until I saw what I saw last season from him, and he's continuing it again this season early on. That's Jason Tatum, putting him at number eight. I feel like honestly, this guy is well on his way up 
it it is a matter of time before we see Jason Tatum really cracking this top five. I don't think it will be very long, but I do think there's a couple guys ahead of him right now that are just carrying their team way more. He does have the accessory of having Jalen Brown next to him. So it's like, I can't give him the full credit yet. Uh, yet keyword being yet, just give it time and I can happily give him credit, but he's finally started to put it all together. His defensive game is really what leads him. And when he's, when he like, I, I'm a big fan of defense first players, especially superstars. When they start off on defense and they are able to just shut down their opponent and then go score 40, all right, you know what? You have my attention, sir. I will listen to whatever you have to say. Mm. Um, I know you're a Celtic, so I, you know, I do maybe, maybe there's a little bit of internal bias that maybe that's why he's at eight and not a little bit higher. Uh, but you know what? I'm going to give him, I'm put it eight right now. He did just come off the finals loss. We'll see what they can do, especially, you know, without their head coach and all those issues there. But right now it looks good for the Celtics. So I'm going to say right now, Jason Tatum, number eight, I probably can climb high, can easily climb higher on my list by the end of the season. Don't be surprised if maybe I put him in a, in a top five by the end of the season. He definitely has a upward trajectory. Like the arrow for him is pointing up. If he was, if it, you put him on the NBA player stock market. So we definitely like seeing him here. Who do we have next looking at number seven? Number seven coming off the injury that last year, that was the uh, injury heard around the world, if you will, um, based off of just how, it was, it was all talked about in the media. Um, the new coming of Derrick Rose in my eyes. Uh, John Morant. The guy is so athletic, so freakish. But by the, the way, way, he can shoot a three-pointer now. Um, and that was a big thing. Missing Going into, going into I'd say, mid like the beginning of last year, you, you started, kind of started, saw moments where he could shoot the three. But really that play-in tournament last year where he was dropping everything. Sorry, Two. second. Yeah. Yeah, and two years ago, the playing tournament, two years, yeah, my bad. I'm getting everything's mixed up. COVID mixed me up. But yeah, two years ago, the, that playing tournament against Golden State dropping everything. And then last year, you saw it really progress into his game, so much so that he was such a threat that Jordan Poole had to grab his knee to get the injury. Again, or sorry, Gary Payton the second, whatever, whoever it was. Either way, um, a little bit, of a, little bit of a reach there, yeah. saying that that little smack little, on the knee it caused him. Yeah, <laughs> so you know that that's the injury I'm talking about. But right yeah. now, so far, look, he looks fantastic in, the, in this season. Um, again, continuing to play. Right now, this list is filled with guys that if they continue the way they're playing, it's going to be a tough MVP season. It's going to get um, real crowded ja- real quick. Yeah, John Morant right now leading. Kind of, I would say John Morant has the potential to lead the way in this MVP candidate because of how explosive he is. And because if you look at the rest of that team, let's be honest, nobody looks at Jaron Jackson, Desmond Bain, and Darren Bro- and, and Brooks and things like, oh, that's a good team. They still look at them like, eh, they need some work. And if John Morant can lead that that Memphis team to a two, three, four seed, yeah, the dude leads uh, to me. I, that would lead the MVP candidacy right there. But Give, I'm going to get John, John Rant number seven. And the reason he's ahead of Jason Tatum and some of these other guys is that explosiveness right now. Um, and the reason he's behind some of these other guys that I'll talk about later is that he lacks the consistent, lacks the long-term consistency so far. Um, the other guys have proven it and they've got the awards to prove it. John Rant doesn't have that yet. But again, I say yet, because again, mm. this is a guy top five is, is just waiting for him right now. It's just it's it's right there on the silver platter. So we do climbing up the list. We have two very very high trajectory stock market rankings for them right now. So who are we looking at next? Number six, and this one's probably going to catch uh, catch me some 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 flack for this one. Um, Nikola Jokic, and everybody's probably like, how do you, how, 
How do you? How dare you? You you do that to the uh, the reigning MVP? How dare you? The most obnoxious, uh, so, loudest voices in Denver are really throwing a hissy fit right now, huh? Uh, I know. Yeah, it must be must be cold over there on that bench. Um, but you know what? It's <laughs> it, defense. I said it before. I'll say it again. Defense is is what I'm a stickler for. I you can throw out all the advanced metric numbers you want to. That's fine. But if you can't play simple defense against a Plumley or against a Steven Adams or a all-defensive big man who can still dominate you down low, you're useless to me. I cannot play you in those situations late in the game when you're getting dominated by some 40-year-old man from New Zealand. That just can't happen. So I, I, as great offensively as Nikola Jokic is, and I do mean as great, the man is top tier in every passing, every category offensively. But defensively, it's like average, 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 slightly below average, 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 average. And that's why he's sitting at six here. Is I, I honestly think, don't think he should have won MVP last year. I think that should have gone to Embiid. Um, but, you know, I digress. I said it that he was going to win it last year in the same fashion. I was like, it, it should go to Embiid, but it will go to Jokic because that's just how it's going to work. And I was, lo and behold, NBA proves me right once again. But give me Nikola Jokic at number six. And this one, I think, is the opportunity, again, give me defense. Give me just a little bit of defense. Like, it doesn't have to be much, man. Give me, like, give me the noose of Jokic defense that was there before you. I'll be okay with that. That was good enough defense that I could live with. Like, that's all I need from, from Nikola Jokic. If you give me that little bit of defense, all right, we're good. Fine. Give me some Greg Ostertag defense. I don't care. Just throw some defense out there so I can go from giving you average check marks to maybe one above average, two above average check marks. Just that's all I ask. Just, just a little bit. It's just a little bit. Like we need to combine when he was fat Jokic to when he was skinny Jokic and find something in between. That way he could be a little bit more of a brick wall in the, in the middle of the paint. So now that we've gone through the top, the top six, now we're cracking to the top five. We're getting to the nitty gritty. And we kind of have an idea of what some of the names are, but I'm curious to see where you're going to place them. Yeah, so you know, pretty much everybody has will have these li- these names somewhere in their top ten. I really hope you guys don't have them outside of your top ten, um, because these next five guys are, I feel like, uh, really three out of the top five. I could flip a coin and be happy wherever they fall, but I'll talk about those top three later. But four and five, I could flip back and forth just as at will. Um, so I'm gonna go number five right now, coming off of the finals MVP, finally coming off of a finals win. One of the greatest shooters we've ever seen. The only reason I'm putting it at five is because I think we're starting to see that at tail end of greatness from him. Um, and that's Steph Curry. And look, I, I, I love Steph. I will plead that to the end of the days. I have loved Steph since he came into the league. I've loved Steph since he was at Davidson. Uh, but right where he's at now is, is a far cry from where I ever thought he would be. I think, honestly, we all saw him coming in the league, and we never thought greatest shooter of all time would be attached to his name. I think we all thought, wow, he's going to be a really good three-point shooter. Probably can put up some points for a couple years. Challenge First for scoring title. Gamer, though. Uh, that's yeah, very yeah. Challenge for, challenge for, for, for shooting uh, for, for uh, points titles year after year. Challenges for, you know, Shooting percentage titles, challenges for best te- best one of the best players overall. Um, by the way, for just player of the generation too. Yeah, I mean like generation, decade, like all decade team, and he literally pushed some great players out of the all decade team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. And so 
Steph Curry, look, he's he's had a fantastic story. I, I'm not saying it's over. I'm not saying it's even close to over. But I do think we are starting to see that sort of everybody can do what Steph does now in the new NBA. Every, well, and maybe not everybody the same stuff, but it's essentially the stuff that Steph can do. They can it's do not gonna be as Yeah, it's not going to be as flashy. It's not going to be as effective all, every time. But you know what? Every like we just talked about Dame, he built in the he built in the deep three. Every kid coming out of college today can build in a deep three. Every kid today can shoot a three point shot. Every person wants to shoot a three point shot instead of taking the easy two points on a fast break. That's the Steph Curry effect. So yeah, this has a little bit of like we talked about in the intro. This has a little bit of his 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 resume built into this ranking. But really, you come you can't you can't tell me that after last year what he was able to do putting Golden State on his back and Draymond on his back. And Clay Thompson on his back and say, "Hey, follow me, guys. We're gonna go to go win another title." That wasn't impressive because that was the most impressive thing I think I watched last season. He was absolutely fantastic, um, and I think this season he's started off just fine. Like it hasn't been great for Golden State early on, but again, Steph Curry still shows that he's still Steph Curry. <laughs> it's like it, it's just one of those things. He's just gonna keep doing what he's doing. You know what you're gonna get from Steph, and it's gonna be great. And it's just what he keeps doing. So give me step at five, and again, this might catch some flack. I don't know. We'll see. I get. I, you know what? I'm just gonna. I'm not gonna say anything. So I'm gonna be talking about Steph a little bit when we get to my list as well. So I'll go ahead and let you go right ahead to number four. All right, number four. I'm going with the other big man. And if you don't know who the other big man is, it was the guy who I just talked about. Should have won MVP last year, which is why I have him ranked higher than than Steph Curry and Nikola Jokic because I believe he should be the reigning MVP. I also believe that he is the best all around big man we've seen since early era Shaq and I do mean that because Orlando Shaq fantastic offensively defensively Joel Embiid fantastic offensively defensively you name it he can handle he can he can dish it he can block every shot that comes in he can get every rebound if he wants to Joel Embiid is an absolute monster and he's still getting better it's like Giannis but as a pure center and I say a pure center but a pure modern center who can handle the ball and, and do things that most most players have only ever dreamed of i mean if you told me a center is going to be sitting there at the high at, at the top of the three-point line taking a man one on taking a smaller guard one-on-one spinning around him laying it up at the at the line finishing an and one and then going to the line and and, and, and gets the three-point play and he does that consistently I'd, I'd laugh at you i'd be like no that's that's not no no there's no other shack no shacks no no shack exists anymore um, that doesn't happen, no. And and yeah, here's Joel Embiid. He'll do that. He'll spin. He'll spin you around. Oh, and then he'll just step back three occasionally as well. And it's just that doesn't happen. It shouldn't happen. The guy's too big to be doing what he does, but he does it, and he does it well. He does it well above average. And you know, if you talk about like I, I compared Nikola Jokic, his offensive stats all at above average. His defensive stats all above average. And that's where I think this is, gives him the, the, the credence to be be a higher rank. Uh, on this top 10 list and especially top five. So give me Joel Embiid at number four here. All right. I like it as well, too. Got a little bit of that international flavor starting to show up here as well, too, including with Joel Embiid. So now we're getting into the top three, and I'm curious to see. I think I know who these three are going to be. I'm curious to see where you let them fall. Yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and say it this way. My top three are Luka, Kevin Durant, Giannis, but I'm not going to tell you the order just yet. And I'm just going to say that I could flip a coin and end up with completely different scenarios than what I ended up with and be okay with how this falls. I'm just going to say that right now. This is based off of going from last last playoffs and this summer and going into this season. 
So that gives me number three. I'm going with Giannis. The biggest reason I'm going with Giannis is one fantastic player, but he got beat by Luca in the summer during when Greece and with <laughs> and uh, when they played international ball. And those two teams, honestly, the Greek team is way better, um, and they should not lose to Luca's top Luca's team ever. Uh, but Luca did carry him to a win, so there. That's that's one point against Giannis. Giannis also, if it wasn't for Kevin Durant's one inch longer toes, would not have made it as far as he did in the playoffs. But they did. Um, and look, another thing is Giannis. Giannis I've, I've talked about this. Giannis, we're watching some one of the. I think the greatest player of our generation continue to grow in front of our eyes every day. The guy's been playing since he was 13, 14 years old. He's been playing this game for less than 20 years, and yet he has gotten better every year in the NBA, gotten bigger every year in the NBA, and yet he's added more to his game every year of the NBA. So I can't take anything away from Giannis. He's still a fantastic player. I honestly think great things are still ahead for him. I think this year, though, is not going to be Giannis's year. We've had a lot of Giannis in the past couple years. I think this year is is he's sitting at three, and I think it's a very comfortable three. It's really a one C if we're going to be com- completely honest about this. Uh, but Giannis, right now, give me the, I'm just going to put him at number three, and I'm just going to stop talking about it. All right, let's go ahead and go into one B and one A then, since we're this hour we're going to put some pure blasphemy on the entire country of Greece. But all right, who do we have next? Look, I mean, hey, you can't. There's not a whole lot you can put on Greece that. Never mind. Anyways. Uh, number two, I talked about his one-inch long toes. Uh, one-inch longer toes than normal people. Uh, that's Kevin Durant. Uh, I'm going to put him at number two here. And I do think he's still going to be my MVP for the season. Um, he has shown that he is going to be nothing less than said player. But going into today, if you ask me who is a more better player today between Kevin Durant and my number one, who I already mentioned, Luca. I'm going to have to go Luca, And that's nothing against Kevin Durant. But when you look at what they're doing right now, Luca played all summer. All summer he played European international ball. Kevin did not. Kevin took all summer off. What's the one thing you need to do to get better as a player, in the basketball player especially? Repetition. High-end repetition. I just talked about it. Luca played against Giannis during the summer. He beat Giannis's team. Heads up. That's a damn good team they beat. So Kevin Durant is second by proxy to the fact that Luka has played all summer and gotten better. He has continued the momentum he took into the playoffs and was dominating teams and should have dominated the Suns out of the playoffs. Uh, unfortunately, well, we all saw how that ended up. So Luka took that momentum, took it in the summer, continued it, grew on it, is bringing it into the NBA today and is still lighting it up so far through the first couple weeks of the NBA season. That's the only reason Kevin Durant's number two. I can literally, this whole conversation about number two, Kevin Durant is all about number one, Luca (laughs) is, is, and it's, it's so unfortunate because it's like the story of Kevin Durant's career, right? Like it's always been about LeBron. It's always been about Russell. It's always been about this guy. Never been about KD. And the thing I think is going to change in this season is KD is going to be like, you know what? Forget you guys. It's about me finally. And he's going to go get himself an MVP. He's going to take this Nets team very deep in the playoffs. And he's going to feel good about it. And he's not going to hate himself. He's going to play. I feel like he's going to play 70 plus games this season. I feel like he's going to play fantastically through through a majority of them. I just think right now, today, 
which is what this list is based off of, Luka is better than KD. And that's that's my number two is Kevin Durant. Number one, Luka Doncic, for those reasons. I'm not going to talk any more about him. That's my hmm. that's how that list shakes out. All right, definitely some uh, interesting picks in there as well, too. And keeping with the theme as well, too, we got four international players making being shown in that one as well, too. So definitely, I I like it as well, too. So I'm going to go ahead and go into my list. I'm going to go from top to bottom as well, too. I'll mention for me, just get them out of the get them out of the way now. My two honorable mentions. You know what? We're actually going to wait on those. I don't want to spoil anything, so I might give away what we have coming next. So I'll get to the honorable mentions at the end. But number ten, this one's. A little bit of how he's playing now, a little bit about how he's going to play, and a little bit of what he's done. But I'm going with Donovan Mitchell at number 10, the newly minted Cleveland Cavalier. We look at him, what he's done in Cleveland. So he's averaging like almost 30 a game, a lot, and he's almost had a triple double a few times. We look at what he was doing the last couple of years, number one seed in the West at one point, back-to-back 50-point games in the bubble. We see what he's probably going to do. Probably the most talented roster he's got a chance to play with as far as actual offensive talent. And he's finally and he's out of his talent. As much as great as a coach as they as he as Quinn Snyder was there, as productive as they were, that was a really poorly constructed team for today's NBA for long mm-hmm. for like longevity of deep run success. It was built like a early 2000s, 1990s team where you have that superstar bucket getter, then you build role players that like single skilled role players around him. I know Mike Conley was nice, but you got the worst at Mike Conley, unfortunately. You got him at the very end of his career. Jordan Clarkson was not the Cleveland Jordan Clarkson in both appearance and play, but it, that was a six man that was very, very streaky. Now you have him paired up with guys like Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, Darius Garland, guys that can actually go get some buckets with him that can play offense. It's not, hey, I'm going to go take all the shots and Rudy Gobert get your putbacks. You're, none of those guys are as limited as Go- Rudy Gobert was offensively, or even jo- we love Joe Ingles' old man game, but it's very limited. doesn't get off the ground or over the phone book. So I think now he's surrounded by guys like that. And we've seen the defensive side of him coming out a little bit more as well. Weirdly enough, Utah, a defensive team historically, didn't actually ask him to do a whole lot defensively. Like, he still stepped up to the challenge. But I think we're going to see the best Donovan Mitchell throughout this year, and I think he's going to ascend it back. Guys, don't forget, I should be in that arguably first, second, or third best two-guard conversation guaranteed as well. Like, he is that dude. I think we're going to see a lot of it this year. And watch, don't be surprised if he leads the Cavaliers on a nice run. So give me Donovan Mitchell at 10 with a very, very chance to climb this list as well, too, and maybe taking a little bit of resume, like you mentioned. It's a small piece of the pie, but he's got a pretty decent resume to start for such a young player, too. Yeah, no, I, I love that pick. Um, he just missed out on my list. Obviously, I talked about LeBron being at number 10. So uh, you would have had to, it would have had been a little special. Like, he would have had to be putting up 40-plus a night to get, over, to get over that LeBron James hunt and get into that top 10 for my list. But I do love that Donovan Mitchell pick there. Speaking of LeBron James, I'm going to go right into it. I have him at number nine for a lot of the same reasons you said. Still, in my opinion, the best passer in the game right now as far as pure passing goes. He's still – the reason he's not higher is, A, the injuries recently. Have kind of, I think they've taken a toll on him. He, we don't see quite that same burst. We don't – you mentioned sometimes we don't, when he wants to play defense, he could lock up. But then there's other times where it's like someone's pushing him to go play defense. There's times where you see poor body language, like when Russell Westbrook takes a bad shot or LeBron misses a layup, you see the – and it takes away a yeah. little bit as well, too. I'm not saying like he's lower on this list because of attitude issues, quote unquote. It's because it actually affects on the play because then you're not getting back on defense. Then the next offense possession, you're chilling in the corner. He, it's not good. I'm trying to think of how to word this because he's still fantastic. And we still see when he is on his game, he's still fantastic. Still the best passer in basketball. Still a good defender. Still a, a very good driver of the basketball. Problem is, we don't really see him drive the basketball. He's 
playing outside of his strengths a lot more. The fadeaway two-pointers, the spit, the step-back threes, the hucking from the logo. He hasn't quite played his game in recent memory, and I think part of that is because of the injuries. Part of that is the absolute abysmally constructed roster they have right now because, my goodness. So I think he's here for – he probably has more resume built in here, but at the same time, he still has some of those attributes. It's like, okay, he's going to be top 10 until these start to go. Like you can't pass the ball as well and run and do some of the things he does and not be in the top 10. So I got LeBron at nine for a lot of the same reasons you are, but when he's on his game at his absolute peak, like let's say he's fully locked in quote, zero dark 30, quote unquote, he could easily still probably play at a top five level bar entry. Okay. You know, I, I, you already know my feelings on LeBron. Yeah. So I, yeah, obviously I respect it. It's very similar. So I'm just gonna move right on to number eight and number eight. I got the, ele- I got the electric Derek Rose 2.0, as we have been calling him since we started color, calling the color cast games with him and John Morant. I think he's explosive. He's he's developing as a passer as well, too. I think he's getting that part into his game even better than, he, than even when he came out. He's learning how to shoot, as you mentioned. He's That team is full of good players. Like, Jaron Jackson's good. Brooks is good. Desmond Bain is good. But he doesn't have, like, a co-pilot superstar. He doesn't have a Kyrie Irving and a Ben Simmons. He doesn't have quite, like, he doesn't have that number, the explosive number twos. It's a pretty decently constructed team led by John Moran, too. He's the captain of the ship. The only reason he's really not higher is last year he missed 20 games and they went like 17 and three. So as great as he is, I am also do think that team is better than we give him the things we give him credit for. Like I just did. Maybe we give him a little too much credit for that. Cause that's still a really good functioning machine as, as much as Taylor Jenkins, the coach likes to say dumb things like how Jordan Poole or Gary Page should be suspended for going after his knee when he gave it a love tap on the side and throwing the hissy fit. They did after that. He's still a fantastic coach of basketball. So give me John Morant at eight. And as you mentioned, he I think he's an underratedly dark horse candidate for MVP, especially they can go on the run they did last year. And let's say this year for MVP, they don't vote on weird advanced stats that they just kind of want to pull out and sound smart. And they, they go off it. John Morant can be very deep in that in that MVP conversation. And I'm actually glad you brought up the, the coaching staff and, and that that stretch of time that John Morant lost last year due to due to the injury. And, and yet that, that team still went on a run. Um it kind of was my point of why I say people look at Dylan Brooks, Jaron Jackson, and Desmond Bain, and they're like, oh, that's crap. Realistically, they're not that bad. They're like they're really good young players. And so I, I'm glad you mentioned that, and especially their coach. Um, I think as dumb as some of the stuff he says is, um, it is he, when it comes to the X's and O's, he's a fantastic coach as well. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Obviously, I do love some John Morant. I do get why you put him at eight, though, um, over, over, over anything. I will. I would say their coach is kind of like almost like a Draymond Green of coach. Like you love when he's your coach, but when you're not, when he's not the coach team, like really, you're saying things like that now. Like sometimes when he, but at the same time, a fantastic coach and coach of the year worthy as well too. And maybe makes another run for back-to-back coach of the year, which don't know if that's possible, but weirder things have happened. So moving on up the list, now I'm going to go to number seven. I got the aforementioned as well that you mentioned who you, who you had at number eight. I got Jason Tatum here. Fantastic. We saw him come up, come into his own during that playoff run up until the finals last year, where the finals, he kind of laid an egg a little bit, but going head to head with Giannis granted, there's no Chris Middleton They need to win a game. Giannis is giving you, I think 39, 40, Jason Tatum gives you 44 head to head with Kevin Durant. They swept him and Kevin, he, Kevin Durant had to put up 30 shots. to get 30 points in that game for just even other than that, though, it was Jason Tatum, the entire show this year, he's already averaging like 33 points on top of it on pretty decent shooting splits. His biggest issue is sometimes he gets a little, high volume with his shooting where this year, I think if he can take that down just a little bit and add up the efficiency just a little bit, he's going to win a scoring title, maybe even a couple of them throughout his career. He's a young kid and he's continuing to ascend. And I think 
the way that the team is built, it's built for him to thrive as well too, because like Jalen Brown, his co-pilot is not necessarily a high volume scorer. He's a guy that scores almost off of those opportunities. Cause if you afterthought him, if you afterthought him, he'll kill you. If you lock in on both of those, it's hard. You can't put all of your resources on two guys because then everybody else is going to score. So I think it's a really good system for him to thrive. And you mentioned defensively. He has been locked in defensively. I don't think he'll ever be a defensive player of the year, but I think he could really make like a second or third team all defense at some point. Maybe even first. I'm not saying it's out of the realm of possibility, but he's just so good offensively. It might take he's a he's a fantastic young player. I think he's he's gonna win. I think he's gonna win a scoring title probably sooner than later. Yeah, no, I, I actually agree wholeheartedly with what you just said about Jason Tatum about the defensive side and then the scoring title. It, I'm not going to say Kobe like, but it is kind of Kobe like um, in its you own can, right. You can Where, see why I analyze him as far as the effort on the defensive end, the effort yeah. on the offensive end, and sometimes the high volume issue. Sometimes, like, <laughs> yeah, when, when you ask him to play defense, lockdown, absolute lockdown. And it's the same thing that Kobe used to do. Like when it's crunch time, great defender. Fantastic team. First, time, first team all defense for like what was it eight years or something like that? Yeah, too? like, like about I that don't part. think Jason Tatum will be that long of a like I don't think he'll have that many first team defense. Oh, Granted, I, he could prove us wrong, but then again, he's overshadowed by Jalen Brown in a lot of those defensive categories on his own team. So that's what like really skews this a little bit against him as well as helps him in the same time. It's like the whole Batman Robin thing they have going on, it sucks because it's more like Batman Superman in their own rights. It's it's you know. Um, they take away from they take away from each other as much as they give to each other, and so it's like, ah, crap. You can't you, you don't want to put one ahead of the other because you you really can't. Exactly, one hundred percent. So now we're going on to number six, and this one's tough because I agree with everything you said about him, and I should have him higher, but I'm having him at six, and I'll explain why in a bit. I got Joel Embiid at six. I agree with you. Scoring champion last year should have been the MVP. The fact that he wasn't, I we said it in all of our cat, we said it all the time on the on the podcast last year. It was not embarrassing, but it was just. It was not watching basketball. That's what it kind of felt like is they weren't watching basketball for now, but he's fantastic defensive end. He is really, really good. Like a top five ish center on the defensive end, maybe even top three. He's committed to it. He doesn't get lost in those pick and rolls. Like he's not on no man's land. If you put a guy in the corner, he can get out there and contest it. He's not like Rudy Gobert. Who's just spinning in a circle. And then offensively, the arguably the best post game, if not the second best post game. He's taking people mm-hmm. off the dribble. There's the joke about being a point center or a point forward. He's a shooting guard center with some of the moves he puts on from like the triple step, jab step, spinning fadeaways. He doesn't have really holes in his offensive game besides getting too cute. That's really the biggest hole in his game is if he wants to spend a whole game on the block, he'll get, you'll do what he did last year and get you at 35 and 10 and 12 a night. And I think if you're getting that James Harden that we think we're getting this year, we're hoping maybe that the not fat one for lack of a better words. And one is really locked in. I think they could be very, very dangerous, and Joel could skyrocket up this list. But I got him at six right now because I I agree with you. He is the best center in the game right now. And I say that because I'm going straight into my number five, which is Nikola Jokic, who I think while Joel Embiid is the best center, I give Nikola Jokic the advantage of being a slightly better basketball player. This kind of goes back to, I don't know if any, if any, if you guys aren't NFL fans, this won't make sense, but I, if you, well, I'm going to do it anyway. It goes back to the Julio Jones-Antonio Brown comparisons in their heyday. Julio Jones was a better receiver, but I would make the case Antonio Brown was a better football player because you could return punts, you could hand it to him, you could do more things with him. Well, Julio Jones, you line him up playing outside and say, good luck, everybody else. With Joel Embiid, just get him the ball on the block or the elbow extended. He'll cook you offensively and play defensively. Jokic could play that point center. He gets the rebound, brings the ball up the court in his very non-lackadaisical way where he can't jump over a phone book. You know, pull a three, he'll do a spinning bounce pass between three people and suddenly – 
Michael Porter Jr. is a $100 million man with the amount of times that he's getting involved from Jokic. I, I hate the advanced stats that have made him an MVP back-to-back years. The first year, definitely 100%. This last year, should have been top two or three, but it should have been Joel Embiid. But you know, that doesn't take away from Jokic's ability to do everything offensively at such a high level. And defensively, as you mentioned, he's not in that Joel Embiid category. Defensively, it's not a liability, but he's not his strength. He can contest shots. He'll get a block here or there, but he doesn't concern you defensively. They've taken him off the court in those crunch time moments defensively because he's not an athlete, unfortunately. And when you're at this absolute highest level, the athleticism does play into part of it a little bit because Joel Embiid, you don't mind him chasing people as much on the edge. I mean, he was chasing Kawhi in that miracle shot in the playoffs against Toronto a few years ago. He was just inches away, and Kawhi at the time was player one, arguably. In that yeah. situation, Nikola Jokic probably isn't on the court because they don't want him chasing. So that's the that is the downside with Joel Embiid. I know I sound like I made a strong case for being Embiid, but what Jokic does, everything else so fantastic, and he's just going to get Jamal Murray back now as well, too. So it's going to give him a running mate. So I think we'll get to see him even better and even more efficient possibly. So give me Jokic by the slimmest margin. It's 5A, 5B, like however you want to trace it. They are both fantastic, but they're right there. And they're both, they're going to be MVP candidates basically for a long time. I'd imagine back going head to head. Yeah, I mean, look, to be fair, it's, it's, it's kind of one of those things like where I based mine off of what I thought. I mean, I think Joel Embiid should have been MVP last year. You also think that, but you're literally basing it off of the fact, well, Jokic actually did win the MVP last year, so that's why he's a little bit higher than Embiid because he does have that resume. It would be, like I said, the resume doesn't play a whole a whole lot into it, but it does play enough into it that, like in a situation like this where Joel Embiid does not have that MVP, Jokic does, that changes things by that little hair. The one thing that helped is they both in recent memory have kind of flamed out a little bit in the playoffs as well, too. As bigger guys, you kind of see them. Joel Embiid with the injuries, Jokic with kind of carrying the team on his back and being like when he's fat Jokic, too. Like they both, they kind of fall, they they wear down in the playoffs difficultly and they have trouble getting other people involved. Like the perimeter game for both teams the last couple of years has been miserable in the playoffs since Jamal Murray's bubble run, basically. And yeah. with Nikola, with Joel Embiid, he had Ben Simmons not basically the the demise of Ben Simmons against Atlanta Hawks. Then last year, one game from James Harden. So they're both, there's just so little available for me to split the hairs with them as well. So back-to-back international players as well, both fantastic, both both centers, ironically, as well, too. And the splitting difference was one could play not center, basically, is how I looked at it. But <laughs> going to move us on now to number four, and we're going to keep the international train rolling here. I got Luka Doncic, your boy now, your new boy, at number four. Everything you said, incredible, versatile offense player, can run, can pass. Well, can't really run, but can pass, can shoot, can rebound. <laughs>, laughs in your face when he does it, too. His his meme with Devin Booker last year is just absolutely hilarious. Defensively, he has a little, quite a bit to be desired still. Yeah. And I think that's the only thing really holding him back, and just he's getting more more mile, NBA miles, if you will. Like, he already has professional basketball miles from playing international ball. But give me Luka here at number four. Plenty of room to climb. It's, we're splitting hairs here at the top. And I think – one of the things that hurts him is also that lack of athleticism as well, too. When it's so darn close at the top, something as small as like just being more athletic can make a difference. So, and I think that hurts him defensively as far as staying in front of people. So give me Luca at four, but don't be surprised. He's number two or number one by the end of this year, especially if he does what you say he's going to do. He's going to jump. He's not, he's going to say screw athleticism and still jump over everybody on this list. So give me Luca as a climbing four. Yeah. Look, I mean, I respect it. Obviously I don't agree with your, <laughs> Your assessment there, but I get it. I, I do understand why you have him at four. And, uh, you know, I, I'm interested to see where your top three goes, though, I will I will say. 
he's so good that putting him at number four almost feels insulting in some ways. That's how good he is. And he's still growing as a young player. And the way Christian Wood's playing, don't see it. That I wouldn't be surprised if they make a nice little run because now they actually have somebody to compliment him as well, too, besides a five foot ten point guard. So curious to see what they have going for. Number three, we're going up, we're going with the reigning finals MVP, Steph Curry. Is he probably towards the back end of his career? Probably. But what he did in that finals deserves a tip of the cap, and he's still showing he's got it. His Still the best shooter we've ever seen. He, you joked, we joked about it. Like he put Draymond on that team on his back. He literally did in game four when Draymond admittedly was mind screwed by the Celtics crowd and was razzled. Steph took all of the pressure off him by taunting that. We know how that crowd is too. Like there, mm-hmm. there's, it's not just like good old razzling intensity. Like there, there's some effed up people in those crowds for those Boston Celtic crowds. The most, and he took all of that on his back and dropped 40 in game four. He, he basically got Draymond Green, who's become a liability at this point. And, turn, and got him out of that funk. He's unleashed Jordan Poole in a way. Like you could tell how he's got the best out of Jordan Poole. He's got Clay Thompson. We're still waiting. He's probably never going to be the same again with those injuries. So it's not the Clay that we've grown to love throughout the years. He's still good, but it's not that Clay Thompson. Just everything that he's been able to do with the reigning finals MVP coming out this year, still looking good out of the gate. He might even have a longer career of being that good because of the way his game is played, of everything's like 30 feet away. And then when he gets in the paint, he has such a the way he floats the ball in the air, those layups, it makes no sense how he doesn't get blocked as often as he manages to avoid it. So give me Steph at three because all the intangibles he brings as well as that shooting ability. So I'm going to put Steph at three, although he's the one that's probably not going to climb. He's the one that I think could start to go down this list or others just jump him as they go up. Okay. I respect it. Yeah. And look, I mean, hey, I, mean, I, was, I wasn't far off from Steph. I had him at five. And I again, like I said, my top five can really be – it's a one ABC and then a two AB. Like that's my top five. So I totally understand your Steph Curry analysis and, and why you have him so high. And it is definitely a, a freak of nature type of thing when you watch him play. It's kind of like, how does he keep do, getting away with those things? You know, just, I mean, it's you a mystery can we'll a, never, we'll never find, figure out. You can make a legitimate case that he was the best player of the 2010s. It's obviously, I'm going to go with LeBron, but Steph Curry was probably number two right behind him as well. Too. I mean, you look at the three finals as well to the multiple MVPs. That's how good he is, and he's still going as well. To like, eight. if can I split the twenty tens? Like, can I get LeBron twenty ten through twenty fifteen, and then, and then give Curry twenty fifteen or twenty sixteen through twenty twenty? Because that's like, I feel like that really is to be fair. That's, that's how it was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's absolutely it's so dominant. And part of the reason that we can't put stuff in that conversation is because of when he teamed up with the number two player on this list for me in Kevin Durant, the best scorer in the game still. Honestly, I can't put him at one, and I was hesitant to put him at two because that last time we saw him play last year in the well, last in the last playoffs, he was eaten alive for the greater part of three three games as well. Like Jason Tatum really took it to him. He did not look hundred percent early this year. He has looked good. He's looked comfortable. The the off season tomfoolery, demanding a trade, all that sort of thing, I was worried might play into it. If it doesn't affect him, or if it affects him in a positive way, like he kind of says what you said, where he's like, you know what, f it and puts all of that on his back, like when he was in Golden State, this is why he's at number two. You really can't – it's hard to stop him. Like, you can definitely slow him down. You can agitate him. You can have him playing like kind of what Jason Tate did and put him in hell. But it, you can't really stop him when he wants to get his 25-plus. He's going to find a way to get it. And I think this year he's going to really show it because Ben Simmons is still – there's still some struggles there. There's still some mental demons. that Kyrie's literally yelling, shoot the ball at him. So we get, we'll see how this all plays out, but – Kevin Durant, number two, with everything he brings to the table, still, at the, even at his older age, I don't know. He's another one. I don't think he's going to climb. I think he's only going to go farther down. But I, all right, now I'm going to give him number two. 
which means number one, in my opinion, the best player in basketball today and a guy who could be reasonably the best player of the 2020s, barring any injuries. And you know what? We've actually seen him be injured and he still did not matter. He ended up winning a finals after his knee nearly exploded. I'm going with Giannis Antetokounmpo leading the scorer in the game right now at, at the time of this recording at about 37 points a game. Once again, it's early pound assault eight in the top five for rebounding a very good assist man as well. I think averaging about five or six throughout his career. Oh, and arguably the best defensive player in the game. And this it's hard to say he's the best because we look at his game and it's so damn simple. It, he's basically a center that can dribble because he's, He's shooting threes in mid-ranges a little bit better, but nothing to scare you, really. But we saw when he went head-to-head with Kevin Durant, 34 second-half points. He's just incredible. There's nothing he he could take over a game unlike anybody else. Still growing in his game, and I think he's only going to get better as this decade goes along. So give me Giannis Antetokounmpo as the best player because he is the best. he's the best mix on both sides of the court. He's top three offensive player or top five offensive player and a top five defensive player. You can arguably make a case one or two. So give me Giannis the number one. Yeah, no, I, hey, like I said, flip a coin <laughs> into my top three changes in a heartbeat. So, look, I love Giannis. And and, and you mentioned his, his injury uh, where it was not just his knee, though. It was also that shoulder uh, during the same thing. And and let's not forget, this is during the entire – yeah, the elbow, sorry. Uh, and let's not forget, this is during the entire free throw saga as well, where mm-hmm. it's like, can you shoot free throws under 10 seconds? And he's like, I, I have a bad knee, I have a bad arm. And you're asking me to shoot these stupid free throws in under 10 seconds with the crowd chanting at me the entire time. Oh, and by the way, he shot the best performance of his life in those free throw moments, shooting around 67 to 70 percent during the during the, that finals. Hell, like, in that, that clinching game, he went 16 of 17. Yeah, like absolutely insane. When it's like you look at like his ability to be clutch is what I think, and, and clutch. At a, I, I keep saying young age. He's 27 which hmm. is the prime of every every player's career for the most part. That's like the beginning of their prime. The problem is with Giannis, we don't really know what his prime is because he has been growing into his game every year. Like, I don't think his prime, we're going to see his actual prime until he's 30. I think we're seeing right now just a continuous evolution of Giannis until he hits 30. And then he's going to hit 30 and it's like, oh, so this is the final form of sell. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, this is scary. I'm actually worried. Um, and yeah, like and that's what I feel like we're watching with Giannis. It's just just a, a continuous evolution right now, and it's just, it just doesn't stop um, whatsoever. And he just keeps growing and growing, which I feel bad because obviously you made a great case why I should have him number one. But he's number three on my list, number one on your list. But it does lead us into this after question though we have, and it is the question of well, you look at it and you wonder has the NBA become an international game? Before we jump into that, which we do have the answer for that, I'm going to have you go and give me a rundown of your top 10 list as well, too, just for anybody who's tuning in a little bit late. So, so tell us who you had for me. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So if you guys missed it, I'm going to run it down on the bottom line as I talk about it. My top 10 from top to bottom. I'm going to go from one to 10. Number one, Luka Doncic. Number two, Kevin Durant. Number three, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Number four, Joel Embiid. Number five, Steph Curry. Number six, Nikola Jokic. Number seven, John Morant. Number eight, Jason Tatum. Number nine, Dame Lillard. And number 10, Good old LeBron James. All right, I like it. And just for a quick recap of my top 10 list, at number one, I got Giannis Antetokounmpo. Number two, I got Kevin Durant. Number three, I got Steph Curry. Number four, I got Kelsey's boy, Luka Doncic. Number five, I got Nikola Jokic. Number six, Joel Embiid. Number seven, Jason Tatum. Number eight, Ja Morant. Number nine, LeBron James. And number 10, the Don Donovan Mitchell, the new Cleveland Cavaliers. So that summarizes our top 10 list. And as you mentioned, 
We each have four guys that are international players right now in our top 10, about 50% as well, which hard to think of as well. And the question is Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Start a journey. Not a fad. Kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread Packages. Choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes, heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tread Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Has the NBA become an international game? And you know what? I'm going to say yes and no. And my reasoning being is I think it is. Gr- I think the international game has come to the point where the talent it's an, it used to be a time where it's like, don't take international player. You're just going to like, there's always the Dirk Nowitzki is a one-off. Don't do it. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Especially with the European players. I'm mostly focusing on that area as well too. Like that's where a lot of the question was. Well, I think that's gone at this point. I think at this point you take the best player if they, and I think those guys come in so ready to go that if you get them, they don't need as much of a quote unquote coaching up. They just need to be put in a system to ball and put with around players. I mean, and weirdly enough, it's kind of still, I'll, I'll get your opinions on it as well, too. So we're going to jump in with a quick little background thing. It's still kind of new, the international game as well, too. Like it's been around for a while, but it's just new as far as starting to peak. Like the first international player was technically in 1946 with Hank Basati. And then really, they didn't even start drafting NBA players to like 1983. But I think that was Monte Manute out of Sudan. He was drafted mm-hmm. by the San Diego Clippers of all teams. And it really didn't even but start. He was, he was technically, he was technically even, he played high school in America though. So technically, is he technically overseas? You know, that's, like that's that question. I have him listed as the first, first. Of I, I, know, I know. I'm just saying like, but like that's the caveat to it though. Is he, the reason it was okay to draft him was because he played high school ball in America. Yeah. And that was like the first time they actually started allowing drafting of, of, of players from overseas. And then you go into the dream team, obviously made it cool. And then here we are today as well. So I'll get your thoughts on it. My thought is I think the international game, it's not taking over, quote unquote, but I do think it is making a much stronger presence now than it has in previous years. And don't be surprised if in a couple of years, the top 10 players, maybe six of them are international players, since a lot of these guys you mentioned, they're not going anywhere. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny because I look at the top 10 of our list and like I said, four out of, four out of the top 10, four out of our top six are international players. And I think... I don't want to say those these guys are our outliers, but if you look at the majority of international players coming over to the NBA, they're pretty average NBA players, which is nothing like they're on rosters and they take up a majority of roster spots. There's actually about a 40% split in the league as far as roster spots given to international players right now, which 
is very interesting because it means like the top tier guys, yeah, you're still looking at some of the freakish athletes that are, are still coming from high schools in America. They're still here. Uh, but Ben Simmons, let's not forget, he's Australian. Um, you know, he's overseas. He's an overseas guy. Kyrie Irving, also, by the way, Australian, uh, in case anybody forgot. So he, uh, he play, uh, well, he has the opportunity to play for Australia slash the USA team. I think he actually chose the USA team finally, but he was born in Australia. Um, so yeah, it's like, there's certain caveats, like players like that. But I think for the majority, your top tier players are still coming from the US, but there are going to be a couple of these outliers. Like if you're drafting guys, I feel like still a top 15 pick. Your, your lotto picks, one. One's going to be, one or two are going to be international guys that actually hit. The other ones are going to be guys that just kind of stay overseas, stay at Real Madrid, stay at Besiktas, wherever they're playing at overseas, and they stay there and they, they continue their long career overseas because they're like, you know what? I'm making millions of dollars here. I don't need to go be go play in, in the American game where it's, it's just so different. Um, I do think the guys that do make the change and they make it early, like Luca, like Giannis, those guys, I think, I think those guys have been, had the opportunity to grow and develop both games and simultaneously, the international game and the American game. And I think that's allowed a lot of the growth we're seeing today. But I do think there's things about the NBA that are moving to an international side. Like we've already talked about, they, they've already talked about changing the rules on the, uh, you know, the the man that the three three in the key defensively, like letting a guy camp the lane, because you, you've heard stories about it. Luca talks about it. Like scoring thirty in Euro League is way harder than it is in the NBA. And if the NBA is sitting there and they hear that and they're like, "What? That's not right. No, you can't." Like NBA fans listen to that and they're like, "This that's blasphemy, right?" But no, in reality, it does. It's like imagine a seven foot three Rudy Gobert sitting down low, and you're trying to score down, and he can sit there as long as he wants, and it doesn't matter. That's a pain in the butt, right? Like that's what it was back in the eighties. That's what it was back in the seventies. Bill Russell made that famous back in the hmm. day. Um, you know, Kareem made that famous. Like just camp in the lane. They took it away from the NBA. For those obvious reasons. Like, could you imagine if Shaq was allowed to stay in the lane for that long? Dwight Howard hmm. would have been allowed to stay in the lane for that long. Hakeem in the lane for that long? Oh, forget that, dude. Hakeem's record for blocks would be seven times as high as it is today. Um, but, like, you know, you look at stuff like that, and it's it allows potentially for the growth of the NBA, NBA and doing more international game. But I do think, to the point of this question, has the NBA become an international game? I think we're, our superstars are still going to be American for, for the continual future. But I do think the part of the NBA that changes is the mid-rosters. Your Joe Ingles, you know, those type of guys. Your Matthew Del Vadovas, um, you know, the, the guys at Patty Mills, um, Andrew Wiggins. They're all international players. And, they, they you know, they're, they're mid-level roster guys. They're not – Say what you will about Andrew Wiggins, but they're not superstars, um, you know. And that's the thing is, is, is a lot of this is, uh, you know, it's going to change your mid levels, and you're starting to see even uh, maybe slightly above average R.J. Barrett being one of them, kind of sneaking into that mid tier between mid level players and and really good players. He's in the in between tier, so it's like, you know, they are slipping in here and there. But Clint Capella being another one, but I do think, I think as a whole, we're still seeing the superstars coming from. U.S. places, U.S. locations. They're still U.S. born and bred, basketball taught in the U.S. Uh, but I do think, like I said, I think that, that the big change we're starting to see is that mid-tier of players, those average NBA players that are filling rosters being European. Absolutely as well, too. And just for just some little fun background as well, too, the San Antonio Spurs set the all-time record for international players on an opening day squad because they had 10 
on their opening day squad during the 2013-14 season, which, by the way, was their year they won the finals as well, too. So the San Antonio Spurs definitely kick-started it in recent memory as well. And Canada has produced the most foreign NBA players historically with 60. As far as European countries go, France has actually produced the most with 42. And they're about to produce one of the biggest superstars coming up. Exactly. And Australia also has 32 as well. And for, and for Africa, Nigeria has produced the most with 29, with 75 total coming from Africa. So it's a, I would say it's becoming an international game. I do think the U.S. doesn't quite dominate it as much. But I do think, like you mentioned as well, too, there's still, there's still a little bit of a gap, but it's not a, it's not a canyon anymore. It's just yeah. a gap, if that makes sense. And yeah, especially at that superstar level as well, too, where you see the guys who are already developed, but they can still build like the Lucas, like the Giannis's as well, too. They can still build on top. They don't come in tapped out. They come in with the incredible skill set that's not fully athletic-based since the European game is so built on fundamentals and basketball skill. If, if you can jump from the free throw line and do a windmill, that doesn't do you a whole lot of good in Euro because there's that seven-foot-two Rudy Gobert sitting there ready to hit you in midair where, yeah. compared to here in like AAU and that traveling basketball where that one of those viral clips and you're suddenly drafted number one overall. So I do think yeah. that's where we see a little bit of the difference as well, too, is – the guys that have that strong base that come over that are already that good can still build on top of it. Yeah. And, and, you know, a big part as well, we talk about growth of the NBA internationally, a big part is the basketball without borders program, that camping program, like for the, for the international players. Um, you look at some of the big names off of that, Joel Embiid, he's part of the 2011 BWB Africa class, uh, Deandre Ayton, BWB global 2016, um, from the Bahamas. I mean, uh, Rui Hachimura, BWB global 2016 as well from Japan, Pascal Siakam, Africa 2012, um, you know, being some of those as well. And, you, you know, it's small things like that. But you look at that, and there's 35 players that played in the basketball without, without borders that started last season on a roster. So it's like it is small things the NBA has done to help grow the game. But it's I mean, when you take it, 109 players last season, starting the season on, a, on an NBA roster, that's a good majority of, of, of players. That's. You know, that's that's not a small amount you're looking at there. So that's it's pretty impressive to see. And we'll, it, honestly, it, it, it's good for the NBA. It's, it's a great thing to watch for the NBA as it continues to get more inter- international. Game gets a little more free-flowing as well, I feel like. Um, we're less stick-in-the-mud back Bill Russell days, if you will. It's less NFL, basically, at this point as well. Too. So real quickly before we get out of here, quick, on-the-spot, rapid-fire, best international player of all time. God, you're killing me. Uh, I'm going to go Giannis right now, actually. Of all time. Okay. Uh, okay. You know what? I'm going to go with Hakeem because I hold Hakeem in such incredibly high esteem, and I think he's a top five player of all time. So I'm going to go you with Hakeem. Okay, fair. That's a fair. I, I forget Hakeem because he did play college in the in the U.S. I'm just I'm just going with what he's considered international. He played overseas when it was Olympic time. So you know what? Give me Giannis is not that far off though. You could probably make Casey's number three behind Dirk Nowitzki in my opinion too. Like Giannis might just you take know that no. Give me you know I'm gonna go Dirk. I'm gonna go Dirk. I'm gonna go Dirk. I'm changing no, my mind to Dirk. Like I, all right, that's I'm sorry. You put me on the spot. My blade, my brain went blank. Hmm. All right, it's, it's all good. Well, that will do it. Thank you all so much for joining us here today. We will see you guys next week.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.